Well, welcome back to Enjoying the Journey. I am really excited about our guest today. I got to meet him uh, maybe a year or so ago, but also we had you at Rise Fest this past summer, and I'm just excited uh, to have you on Enjoying the Journey. Can't wait for our listeners to learn more about you. Without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Micah Parker. We are so excited to have you on Enjoying the Journey. Welcome. Can't wait to have this conversation. And uh, if you would, just give us a little background so our listeners can can get to know you. Yeah, thanks. Well, no, it's great to be here. And it was a tremendous experience to be able to share at Rise Fest. What a, what a great event that was. And I do have to compliment you, Rob. I've done a lot of events like that or similar to that. And it's always interesting. Um, you get to see how things are organized and you get to see the back, the back end of things a lot. Mm-hmm. It was just such a well-organized event. You can tell your volunteers and workers there were just really bought into the the whole event and that makes a big that just makes a big difference but it was a it was a great thing to be a part of uh i am uh, a father of three children i have a wife that we we'll been married now 25 years this spring um i had started out life in a unique situation where i was a missionary's kid in papua new guinea so for yeah. those of you that don't know your geography very well it's a it's the second largest island in the world right above australia and we were there for 10 years. I was born there and we were there for almost 10 years. We moved from Papa, the bush of Papua New Guinea to Nebraska. Uh, so big, big uh, cultural, big cultural shift at what, that time in my life. But um, what, what was really it enjoyed to grow up in, in New Guinea? It was it was just unique. You know, I didn't know anything different until we, right. we moved. But we were in the bush. I mean, we had grass walls and a tin roof. Uh, my father was a Bible translator and he also started school. He also built and started schools. Some of my most impactful memories of my life are watching, um, watching him work and do his ministry. Uh, Easter morning for, for them was always really big because they would have mass baptisms. And I just remember the, um, I remember distinctly the, the, the wailing and the crying and the joy Mm. that these people had of learning about Jesus. I also remember, you know, as a, as a young child, I'm learning about Jesus. Sure. So um, I, I remember learning that one of the tribes that was close to us, they were learning, they're trying to learn their language and they did not have a, a word in their language that was equivalent to forgiveness. Really? So try to try to teach Christianity, try to talk about Christianity without talking about forgiveness. So it was, it was just a really unique time to grow up. Um, by the time I was 10, I knew three languages, English, and then the two, the two languages on the, of the tribes next to us. Wow. The, kid, the kids over there would pick up on the languages quicker than the, than the, the, older, the older parents. Right. Um, so I got to go along on a lot of trips that, that he had, and it was just a fascinating, fascinating way to grow up. Was it, um, would you have had a bicycle or anything like that? Well, we had, we had no TV, no radio, no telephone. Um, when I was, I think I was seven years old for my birthday, I got a bicycle. It, it was a bicycle because it had two wheels and handlebars, but it, it was something my dad had constructed actually really? uh, from a bunch of different other parts. So that was, if you were a kid and had a bike, that was a, that was a big deal, but there wasn't concrete sidewalks and streets everywhere too. So it wasn't the easiest. It wasn't always the easiest to navigate. We still probably traveled more with our, on our, on foot than we did 
you know, with our bikes, but it was still pretty cool to, to have. That's awesome. so not having TV or phone or anything. What was most of your free time? Like, I, I know your dad was building schools and, and things like yeah. that. But as a kid, were you just playing in the bush or? Yeah. Yeah. We were just outside and um, you just become creative. Uh, we, we just explored a lot. Me and my friends would explore a lot. We would, uh, my mom would always say we, we would travel with, I, I'm, I'm a little kid. And I'm carrying around a machete that was probably about as half the tall as I was. And wow. we would just go places and find food. And, um, you know, you, you become friends with, uh, the natives there too, the native kids, and you just did what they did. You just explored and had fun and climbed trees and, you know, did all those, did, did a lot of stuff outside. That's for sure. That's awesome. So you're 10, you've known yeah. this and now it's Nebraska. What, what was that transition and, and why that transition? Yeah. Well, we, we transitioned because my youngest brother was born and he was born with epilepsy. We didn't know for sure what it was, but we, we were in the bush. And so he was having serious health problems as an infant. He had to be resuscitated a number of times. So we needed to move. We either were going to move to Australia where we could be, get better hospital care. We we're going to move back to the States. So we moved back to the, the States when I was just about 10 years old because of my younger brother. Every five years, if you're in that culture, if you're out of civilization, it will bring missionaries back and their families back at least every five years uh, so they don't have culture shock. So we came to the United States for about six months, five or six months when I was five. Oh. And I did my first half of kindergarten um, in the in the United States. So but that was a yeah, that was a big transition, just having to wear shoes all the time, all the concrete. Mm. Um having to be inside all the time, not having the freedom that I had over there to just go, you know, and explore and do whatever I wanted. And then, um, you know, I was, I was a part of my father's ministry, even as a young, even as a young child. And when we came to the United States, he, he started teaching at a Christian school. And so, uh, you know, I, I went to school and just, uh, in fact, got in, you know, got into the American culture as quickly as I could, but Interesting. I mean, just restaurants that fascinated me. Why would you go somewhere else to eat when you can just eat, when, you know, when you can eat where, in your home, you know, uh, right. wearing shoes all the time, all, all the just all the gadgets and gizmos and yeah, TV and things like that just fascinated me. But um, great. Still a great way to to grow up. I, I, I really cherish those times. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting because you didn't leave as a missionary kid knowing the culture go to a different culture and then come back. It's like, what is all of this? Yeah. Yeah. Seen this before. Yep. What a crazy, interesting uh, way to, to grow up. Actually a really neat way. Yeah. One of my favorite, one of my parents' favorite pictures of me is I'm, I'm standing in a sandbox and there's a dry season and a rainy season there. So during the rainy season, it would rain all day, every day. Mm. So I had a sandbox, but it actually had a, a, a roof on it. It was a, a um, grass roof on it, but there's a picture of me and I'm standing there with my friends. My friends are sitting, sitting down and I'm standing there and I've got a shovel, but I'm, I'm uh, doing a devotion uh, with them. I'm, I'm basically, I'm basically mimicking what my dad would, you know, uh -huh. what my dad would do. And my parents love that because they can see how many, many, many years later, that would be something that I would, I would enjoy doing. Uh, the yeah. speaking part of it would enjoy doing. And um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting how God weaves, weaves his way into everything that you're doing. 
Yeah, very much so. So you, you're born in New Guinea, come to America as a, as a child, 10 years old, into Nebraska. Take <laughs> us on your, your, your faith journey. So you grew up, you know, mimicking your dad, but um, as you come to America, maybe those opportunities weren't quite as much with your, with your dad um, yeah. the way it was. So how did you start to develop your, your own faith and, and where does yeah. that fit in? Well, I was blessed. My father started working at a, at a Christian school. So I was blessed to go to that school. That was a big part of my faith development and journey. Mm. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, my family's always, always been very, um, a very religious family. And I, I don't think I really made it my own faith until I was in college. I, we have a lot of student athletes here at Northwestern that I think come here with some knowledge, but they don't necessarily have a relationship. They might have a family history. And that was, that was, that was me. When we moved to the United States too, one of the things I noticed right away was the, the religion of sport, the religion mm. of athletics. And I loved, I, I loved to compete and I loved, I loved being in any sport that I possibly could. So that was a way for me to, that was a way for me to get ingrained into our, into our culture. So, um, but I, 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 I grew uh, just, I, I think, typical, just like a typical teenager, um, again, having knowledge and but not having necessarily a relationship yet until, mm. until I went to college. I had many coaches along the way, though, that uh, had a big spiritual impact on my life. My cross country coach, my track coach, uh, I had a basketball coach that that were just really good at pouring their lives into their student athletes. and. Um, even though these were public schools, they were still very open about their faith and had a big impact, had a big impact on me. I wanted when I went to college, I wanted to be a coach. That was I, my, that was my dream. I wanted to mm. teach and coach. And um, has it, has it ended up? I, I wanted to be a high school coach as it ended up. I never did coach or teach in high school. I ended up getting straight into college coaching and teaching and, uh, and then God kind of took it from there. But um had the opportunity to my first job to, to, to work at a Christian university at Concordia uh, in Nebraska too. So um, those are all, those have all been big pillars, I guess, in my faith development. Absolutely. And when I was looking at your bio, it talked about, you know, a tragedy in, in, in your mid twenties that also, uh, I don't know if shapes the right word, but definitely oh, yeah. part of, of your journey in, in, yeah what um i don't even know what that yeah. was or what that looked like or how you yeah. came out of it yeah well uh you, oh you're 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 very right god i think god uses good things and god uses difficult things sometimes to shape us um my whole speaking ministries came out of that experience mm -hmm. so when i was in college i was i was blessed enough to be in, in love with a wonderful christian young lady uh, way I was way out of my league and she um, well, she was just yeah just a wonderful wonderful Christian woman we got married in college mm. and we were married five years and at the end of the it was shortly right before our fifth year anniversary I was I was teaching I was a resident director and I was coaching at Concordia she and I was also getting my master's degree she was uh, getting her PhD in molecular genetics at Nebraska so oh, wow. we were very, you know we were very busy and we were living on campus Okay. Um, so, but two days before our fifth year anniversary, she just, she passed away in bed. Um, just, uh, very quickly, um, we were talking in bed and she passed away. So I, I 
wow. tried to resuscitate her, um, didn't work. Um, she just, she had a very unique uh, virus that mm. attacked the electrical firing of her heart, the non the involuntary firing of her heart. And she passed away really quickly. So going through that, I, you, when you're in your, when you're newly, you know, married yeah. for five years, you're, you got a, a educational plan, you've got a professional plan, you've got all these family plans, you've got all these things that you think are going to happen or that you maybe even deserve to happen. Mm. And then in an instant, your life completely, you know, completely changed. And that was a unique experience too, because it happened on a college campus. So it happened, it happened in a dorm and um, that we're, where we were living. So it, it really impacted the campus there to have a teacher and a coach um, have, have to go through that. So that experience was, um, well, I've never been angry with God until that, you know, until that time I, I thought, um, I thought my life was going to be a certain way and it, it, it was not going to be a, it was not going to be a certain way from, from that time on. So mm -hmm. I learned a lot about grieving and I learned a lot about, um, how God can still work through, in, you know, even difficult circumstances. And that's where the speaking ministry came, came about. I had no desire, no real desire to be a, a public speaker. I knew I would need to use speaking in my job as if I wanted to, as a coach and a, and a teacher, sure. but I did not, I did not sure did not want to share this, um, right. you know, with other people. And I always, I, a little bit of me was ashamed that I was so angry with God too, mm. um, because I've been, I've been unfairly blessed in my whole life. And, and uh, she didn't do anything that was bad. And, and right. uh, God didn't do anything it was God took her to heaven. You know, it was just, yeah. it just happened to be her time. I, I just didn't know about it. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it's a hard, it's hard to handle life when, when you realize, you know, you're really not in control. Um, you've got to, you've got to work around what's, what's going to happen to you. So we had, um, I had a chaplain there at, at, at Concordia that I was talking to on a regular basis and kind of pouring my heart out to him and praying a lot about it. And about six months after he said, he asked me, would you come and share some of this at chapel? Because I've never been so busy with students coming to see me that are struggling with your loss. Mm. And I said, oh, gosh, I don't know. And he goes, just come and give, you know, talk about what's on your heart and how God is being, how you are being blessed by this, even though it's a really difficult situation. So I did that and uh, recorded it on a cassette tape. That's how long ago it was. And yeah. uh, I, I had it, I had it uh, copied and I sent it out to about 25 of my friends and relatives who've been praying for me. And, they took it to church, their church, and they played it in their in their service or their Bible study. Mm. And then people would ask me, people from those churches asked me to come and and share. And that's kind of how I got that's kind of how I got started in it. And I would go share that story. And that that story has developed and into a, about a 90 minute presentation where I can okay. do two 45 minute talks or I can do a, a lot longer presentation. So, yeah, that's it's. It's crazy how that all how that all started. Um, but I can see now I can look back and see how God was going to use everything. Yeah. Even even a difficult circumstance. Absolutely. And and I want to get into the name of your speaking ministry. But yeah. before we go there, there's two words you used. And I think I'm thinking here, which can always be dangerous, <laughs> that our listeners may have uh walk through this as well. And you, and you said this, and, and I want to see if there's anything we can pull out of it. Uh, you learned a lot about grief yep. and 
if listeners are anything like me, that's a tough word. Grief, mm-hmm. grief is tough. And, and then understanding how to, I don't even know if there's a way to grieve well, but just to yeah. grieve. What, what did you learn through that? Or, or what could you tell listeners that maybe be, they, maybe they didn't lose yeah. a loved one the way you did, but they lost a job or they lost part of their, their body isn't working the way it was. Yeah. And I think so often we forget that that term is also grieving. Right. You know what I mean? Is yep. anything you can give them that because this I, I, I can't even fathom what yeah. you walk through, you, you know, being talking to your spouse and then yeah. they're gone um, yep. through that grief process. What did you learn or take away or you could share with those that maybe are hurting? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, in Psalm 23, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, evil for you are with me. I, I mentioned that in my talks that I think the most important word in that psalm, in that line, is the word through. Mm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The fact is, and it takes a while to understand this in life, but everything in our life has a starting point and an ending point. Everything, everything that's good in your life right now is going to end. The only thing eternal about you is your soul. Right. And, uh, but we have expectations of how long we think all these good things that we've been blessed with should last. Right. So um, that Psalm, if you even said the word through a number of times when you were asking me about that, mm-hmm. it's important that we learn to have the spiritual maturity to walk through those valleys with Christ instead of digging a ditch there or taking up residency there. You know, people will get upset with God and life circumstances and they never leave that ditch. They become sure. bitter and bitter and angry with with life circumstances. But I don't think God wants that for us. Uh, he wants us to, you know, first Peter five says, cast all your anxiety on him because he loves you. So everything, everything should be walked through with Christ. Now, when you do that, when when through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're able to walk through a difficult situation because our God is awesome. And I really believe what it says in Romans 8, 28 too, and all things God works for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say in all good things. Oh, sure. No, it says all things. So when you walk through that valley, whatever valley you're walking through right now, when you walk through that valley with Christ, other people will actually be blessed by you walking through that valley and you will be blessed by you walking through that valley. Um, and it's also important to know that the valley will end too. Mm. You know, um, I like the phrase, I heard the phrase once, um, you know, Christ isn't the, the light at the end of the valley. He's the light in the valley. Ooh, and that great. helps us, you know, when you rely on Christ and you rely on your faith in God, that you can walk through those circumstances. But know also there is going to be an end to it. There, there is going to be an end to it. That time of grieving and that time of difficulty it will end and eventually you'll be able to, I believe eventually you'll be able to see how God was working through that. Yeah. That man, you had some awesome nuggets in there. You know, Christ is the light through the tunnel or uh, not yeah, while you're in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And then just the idea that it's, it's not in all good things. It's in all yeah. things. And yeah. life can be extremely painful. That's why we named yeah. the podcast enjoying the journey. It's yeah. It's it's a journey. There's hills, there's valleys, there's uh, mountaintops, yep. you know, and, and walking through it. You mentioned also anger. I think some 
individuals, especially Christians, do feel guilty. I know you mentioned that of being angry with God. I've always told individuals God's got big enough shoulders to. Well, and let's be honest, we might as well tell him we're angry anyway because he knows. Right. He knows the inside of us. But I I think you answered the question for me, but I'm going to ask it. How do you go through that anger? Because I think there are I know I get angry with God in circumstances of life and in different circumstances. I liked how you gave us that word picture of a, a ditch because, yeah, I would agree with you. You can get angry with God. Just don't stay there. That's when that's when things are just not healthy and, and good. That's when Satan really gets a foothold. Right. Is when you stay there. So, yeah, if we're building a, a, a ditch, then there's a division between us and God. And, yep. and all of a sudden that anger can just get in the way and a wall can get get built. Is it just time as we deal with anger? Is it learning to walk with Christ in those moments? What what a piece of advice would you give those that maybe are just shaking their fist at God right now going, ah, God, I'm about done with you because this this hurts. It, it's tough. Yeah. I think it's a combination of, I think it's a combination of time, but it's also a combination. I also think it's important that, that we would, um, you know, open ourselves up to the possibility that God is bigger than us and is bigger than this situation and that God, God could and will use it and that God still loves us, even though, even though something difficult is happening, you know, is happening to us. And I, it, it takes, it just takes a while to do that. He, God's word says too. there's, there's a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve. Um, but there's a time to do it. That it doesn't say you, you're going to grieve eternally, you know, unless right. you, unless you don't know who Jesus Christ is, as your Lord and savior. Um, so I, I think it's, <laughs> I don't think there's any one way too that you can just say, there's not a cookie cutter way to say, well, do this, 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 and this, and it, right. you'll be, you'll be fine on Friday. Right. Uh, I don't I don't think that's that's the case. But every valley is a little sometimes they're long, sometimes they're short. Um, but we all go we all go through them. And you mentioned, you know, that life is you have experience, high experiences and low experiences. That's life is a roller coaster. It's not a carousel ride. Right. There, there's always going to be ups and downs. And um, but if we rely on God and if God is with us on that ride, I, I just think you will end up seeing how God is, how God's plan is working through it. And that's, that's a huge blessing to be able to do that. But if you, if you're remain angry with God, you won't see the, you won't see the fruits of that. Mm-hmm. You won't see, you won't see uh, how God has worked through that if you're just in a ditch there. Yeah. And it sounds like you decided to put dirt in the ditch and walk across the ditch and, and continue your relationship with Jesus or build a bridge. I don't care what analogy you yeah. want, to use, but you came out of the ditch and, and God starts a speaking ministry through yeah. you. And uh, tell us a little bit about that, because I, I understand it's called trust guy ministry. And trust is a very scary word for me because it means you rely on others. And uh, at times can be disappointed, depending on who you're you're relying on. But yeah, t- walk, walk us through Trust Guy Ministries and and what trust means to you after walking through what you're walking through. Well, there's a there's a verse I've based our our speaking ministry on. That's Proverbs three five and six it says trust in the Lord again. And there's that word again with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The path is 
when it says path straight, it doesn't mean it's going to be make an easy path. It just means there's going to be a path straight to God. That that path may be difficult sometimes, but it, it is going to happen if you again cast cast all your cast all your anxiety on Him and trust with Him with all your with all your heart. Um, my speaking ministry, uh, I call it's called Trust Guy because as I started to as I started to speak and get to do some bigger events, mm-hmm. I'm not a big name. And so people would, I would get called, oh, that's the trust guy versus mm. remembering my name. So that's <laughs> kind of where that kind of, that's kind of where that, that all started. But uh, I got started really into speaking by someone calling me on a Wednesday night mm. and saying that they were in big trouble. They were, they were leading a, a state youth gathering and it was on Saturday and they just had their keynote cancel on them. It's, you know, it's three days away and I need some, I need a keynote in a few days. And, and they said, would you come and, would you come and do that for me? I said, absolutely not. Uh, there's, I don't, I'm not, no, I'm not, I don't want to do that. Said, well, just share what you shared in chapel. And I said, well, that's fine, but that was 15 minutes. You want me to speak a lot longer than that? I assume. She said, yeah. Yeah. So I said, no. And I couldn't sleep that night and mm. I sweated and uh, God was just convicting me. So I called her the next day and said, okay, I'll do it. But I just need, you just need to know that this might be a train wreck. This might be really bad. Um, I, I'm yeah, it might be bad. So we go, I go to the event and I prepared, I prepared a little bit and uh, just let the Holy spirit take over. I spoke for an hour. Wow. And uh, that, and there was people at that event that then asked me to come and speak at their event. And that just, that's been happening for the last 24 years. Hmm. Every, every so often, my wife and I will look at our schedule and go, well, we have something about six months out. That'll probably be the last time you speak. Yeah, uh, because it's all mostly word of mouth. Sure. Um, but God just continues to put. I got to speak at Rise Fest because yeah. someone heard me in Sioux Falls and talked to you. Yeah. So that's that's just kind of how it's how it's developed. Well, I would go speak at these events and do my testimony, talk about trust. And then they would ask me to come back again. And I would say, well, you are, you heard my testimony. You, you heard it. I don't. And so I had to come, I had to come up and write some, some different things. So I've, I have about five or six different presentations that I use or pull from depending on the theme of the event. Sure. So, sure. Um, I'm not smart enough to come up. I just marvel at pastors that come up yes. with new things every Sunday you know, a, a preacher does that. A speaker finds a new audience. A preacher. Correct. Correct. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, but that's how that, that's how kind of how that's all been developed. And the, the, the other talks that I have have been just things that have come upon my heart through prayer and maybe life, life experiences mm-hmm. or even my professional experiences. So I have a, a talk on servant leadership that I've used with coaches and athletic directors and teachers. Uh, I have a talk on on Gideon, about Gideon, about being a mighty spiritual warrior. Mm. Uh, to, and I have, uh, I have numerous talks to youth because I still have, I still speak to a lot of junior high and high school age kids. I have a talk on abstinence mm. um, and a talk on profanity. I don't teach them how to swear because they know that. Um, but yeah. I talk about how, how God wants us to speak. So there's, there's been some things that have developed through the last, through the last few decades on, on what my talks are about, but I still, the basic of my, the basis of my speaking is still focused around the word trust. Which I think is huge. And I think is so needed in our world and our culture today. 
so often we can become self-reliant and resilient. Yep. And you, you know, you can throw the word trust out real quickly if you're able to accomplish everything you ever thought. I mean, we started yes. a conversation today yeah. with educational plans, family plans, mm -hmm. uh, career plans. Yeah. And we can go after those things. Mm -hmm. And as long as everything lines up and God has it in his will, it looks like we're doing it. And as yeah. soon as life throws us a curveball and we're reminded we are not in control, trust yeah. comes into to the conversation. Yep. And so, yeah, I've been looking forward to this conversation ever since I saw it uh, show up on my schedule that we are going to get to talk and, and, uh, trust we've and really we've talked about your story and, and your ministry we haven't even dived into your actual professional career because you're still in higher education yeah you still coached from what i what i understand and i think there's something there maybe i'm reading into it too much but the tragedy that happened in your life happened as you said on a college campus that could still be extremely painful all these years later, yet you have allowed God to use you in higher education for all of these years. And you're currently talking to me at a higher education at Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah, I think. Well, I think God uses people that puts them in leadership positions. I really do believe the phrase, you know, God calls the what is it? God prepares the called. He doesn't call it prepared. Yeah. Uh, so the leadership positions that I've had have been blessings, have been blessings to me. Um, but I can that experience of having to go through that difficult ad adversity has helped me as an athletic director, has helped me. Uh, I, was, I was head of a school for for a number of years, too, because mm -hmm. when you're dealing with, you know, hundreds of people and sometimes even thousands of people, there's always issues that there's always people that are going through stuff. And so I've been blessed with having, having been able to, to have to trust God through a difficult circumstance. And I think that's helped me in my leadership positions because everybody's going through something. Everybody is. And um, yeah, I can see that that's, that's been a blessing, but I've uh, I enjoy education. I enjoy coaching. I enjoy athletics because athletics, I, tell people athletics doesn't build character. It reveals character mm. and coaches have a tremendous impact on the lives of their student athletes. I got to coach for 17 years and that was a great experience. And then I've now been an athletic director for uh, 13 years. Okay. Uh, I'm not coaching anymore on the court, but I am, I am coaching coaches. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of carryover, a lot of carryover there, but I enjoy working with people that are mission minded. Our coaches here, wow, they're just tremendous. They're they're very very talented in their profession, in their sport, but they're great educators, great teachers, and they're committed to having their student athletes know who Jesus Christ is. Yeah. And that's a really fun that's just a really fun thing to be a part of. A uh, really fun really fun thing to to be able to lead. That's awesome. We always like to ask this question too. So we call it enjoying the journey. If you could have anybody with you, past or present, on this journey called life, who would it be? Wow, that yeah, I that's a tough question. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I I, I struggled with that. Um, you know, I in my current 
my current position right now in life, my my kids are leaving our house. My mm. my daughter is in med school. My son is is in college uh, in another state. My my youngest daughter is is starting ninth grade. But we can mm. my wife and I can see how we've been on this journey with them for a long time, and they're they're kind of leaving us. So yeah. our journey is our journey is changing a little bit. Um, but professionally, uh, I would professionally, as far as my professional journey goes, uh, I, I've just really enjoyed the coaches I've got to work with. And so mm. I'm, I'm pleased with who I get to work with now, but, um, I would love a couple, there's a couple high school coaches that had a big impact on my life that, uh, when I was at my previous job, we, we were at division one university and had some really cool things happening there. And mm. there was times where I'd be like, you know, I wish coach Zavala could be here. Uh, and see, you know, and see this, or Coach Gordon could see this, or Coach Gee could see this, or Coach Sheffield could see what what is happening here. And and there's many times when you're on the journey, say you want people on that. Who do you want on the journey with you? I still hear my father's advice in my head every single day. You know, every single day I hear those coaches' advice in my head. I I constantly think, you know, well, what would what would this what would this colleague do that I really admire? Sure. What would they, you know, what would they do? Um, my, my former pastor, um, when I was growing up in Nebraska, he's since passed away, but mm. he, he took me through confirmation. There's many times where I think, well, what would pastor Volker say or do, you know, yeah. what, what would he do? Or if I made this decision now, you know, what would they think of that? Would they approve that? So God's blessed me with many people in my life where I can look back and think, you know, what would they do if they are standing here right now? And, and that's, and a huge, huge, huge blessing for me. That is awesome. I have had a blessed time today, uh, Mike. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate your insight, your wisdom. Appreciate you sharing what God's doing in your life, how he continues to use you, how you get to share the word trust, how you get to uh, invest in coaches, and which then trickles down into student athletes. As we wrap up today, is there anything you'd like our listeners to to take away. Sure. Um, I like to say this every time I talk about trust at the end. So uh, I like to say how God constructed the word trust really uniquely in the English language. I shared mm -hmm. this at, at Rise Fest too, but if you look at the word trust, right in the middle of the word trust is a valley. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't, I think that's on purpose. I also ask, I'll ask people what, what's in the middle of the word trust and it's you or us, or if your name is Russ, that works really good too. <laughs> yeah, you, need to, you need to trust, who do you trust with your life? Just look at any, either end of the word. And I don't think it's a coincidence that there's a cross in the word trust twice and you are only in there once. So I, I just, I, I like to leave people with that. So, cause they will see that word a lot in our culture. Uh, they will see the word trust. I, I like them to look at it a little bit differently, you yeah. know, for the rest of their life to say, yeah, you know what, I, who am I going to trust with my life? I'm going to trust Jesus Christ with my life. And that you mentioned that roller coaster before, but if you trace the word trust, it is a roller coaster. It's just like our life. But in the end, Christ is there for us. And because of what he did on the cross and what he did on Easter morning, that we are going to experience eternal joy. Um, and I just, I just hope as many people as possible can hear that, can hear that message. You know what? I read your bio and it said, you'll never look at the word trust again after hearing uh, Dr. Micah Parker. And you just explained it. And I don't yep. think we'll ever look at the word the same. I needed that. Trust is at the, uh, uh, the cross is at the beginning. The cross is at the yep. end. Yes. Us or Russ, 
in the middle. And uh, yeah, that is awesome. Thank you so much for being with You're us. Welcome. You're I welcome. appreciate it. All right. God bless you. Thanks. You bet. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.